0: Welcome to our weekly podcast. If this is your first time listening in, I wanna encourage you to check out our website. There you can find information about weekly happenings in the church, and you can learn more about who we are as OCC. Well, my wife and I recently celebrated 13 years of marriage. It's hard to believe that 13 years has already gone by, but I've loved every minute of it. There are so many things I love about my wife. But one thing I love about her is the kind of attention and care she gives to the people in her life and to the hobbies that she has. One of her hobbies is gardening. Uh, She started gardening back when we lived in Oklahoma, so around 2015. And she's continued to get more involved in it over the years. Now, we have a lot of gardeners in the church uh, who she's learned from since we moved here. And that's been a huge encouragement to her. In the spring, summer, and fall, one of the first things she does every morning is go out and care for the garden. She and the boys usually pull fresh produce from it every day, and they'll make smoothies for breakfast, or they'll have a salad for lunch. Because of her love for gardening, I've naturally learned a few things here and there, although I tell people that she's great at growing things, and I'm great at eating them. (laughs) I've learned that seeds, once they're planted, germinate, establish roots, and eventually grow where they hopefully bear fruit or vegetables. This process takes a lot of time and a lot of care from the gardener. There's external factors that also determine if a seed is going to take root, grow, and bear fruit or vegetables. You have to know when to plant. Do the seeds like colder weather or warmer weather? You have to know how much sunlight a particular plant needs and what kind of soil and nutrients are needed. Now my wife's still learning, she's definitely not an expert, but it's cool to see her pour her time into something that produces food for our family. You might be wondering, why are we talking about gardening today? Well, just as plants follow a natural process of growth, so do humans. In fact, John talks about this process as it relates to Christian maturity or spiritual growth. He does this in the New Testament book of 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And this is what we read. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, Because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now this particular letter was written and intended for new believers, mature believers, and everyone in between. In this portion of his letter, John is talking about the process of growth. From being a new Christian or a spiritual infant or child to being a mature Christian, a spiritual young adult, and eventually a spiritual parent. Like plants, we follow a process of growth, both physically and spiritually. And God knows this about us because he made us. And he doesn't take any shortcuts in developing us into the people he's created us to be. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was intentional about developing his disciples, helping them grow from being spiritual children who simply believed in him, to mature spiritual adults who learned how to make disciples who would, in turn, make more disciples. As Christians who are living in the 21st century, we're instructed to follow Jesus' pattern when it comes to making disciples. Last week, we talked about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. As we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, we'll learn how to make disciples just as he did. You and I don't have to reinvent the wheel. One of the best ways for us to learn how to make disciples is to focus on the challenges that Jesus gave to his followers as he developed them. You can also refer to these challenges as the methods of Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus gave four major challenges to his disciples. Come and see, follow me, fish for people, and go and bear fruit. These challenges help us understand how Jesus developed his disciples from the time they first believed until the point when they were mature believers who were disciple-makers themselves. This week, I'd like for us to look at these challenges from 30,000 feet. You can think about today's message more like a survey of the challenges that Jesus gave and the methods of his disciple-making process. Doing this will help us better learn how to disciple people wherever they're at in their walk with Christ. Next week, we'll start looking at each of these challenges up close. Uh, We'll look at one challenge each week. And depending on where you're at in your own walk with Christ, um, there's going to be practical steps that you can take that will help you keep growing in your faith. Well, challenge number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Come and see. Jesus gave this challenge in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And this is what we read. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. So that's our first challenge. And then the verse continues it says, It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. A little bit of context for what we just read. The John who's mentioned in this passage is not John the Apostle, but John the Baptist. John the Baptist, we know, was the second cousin of Jesus, and his purpose in life was to prepare the way for Jesus. John had his own followers or his own disciples, but he always made it clear that he himself was not the Messiah. He was simply preparing the way for the one who is Jesus. This passage mentions two of John's disciples. Um, One of his disciples was a man by the name of Andrew, and we know that Andrew was Peter's brother. The other isn't mentioned by name, but if we were to keep reading, we'd learn that his name is also John. I know that can be confusing because you have John the Baptist and then one of his disciples, John. We know this John is the son of Zebedee and the author of the gospel we just read from. When Jesus walked past them, uh, these two disciples saw the Messiah for the very first time. Uh, Jesus noticed that Andrew and John started following him around. So he asked them, what do you want? See, they were curious about who Jesus is and wanted to know where he was staying. Jesus' response was this first challenge. He said, come and see. And this challenge helps us understand how Jesus began a relationship with several of his early disciples. It's safe to say that Andrew and John were spiritual seekers. They were curious. They wanted to learn more. And What's interesting is that this first challenge, come and see, in the Greek is best translated as, just show up. I love that. Jesus is saying, just show up. This is the first step that anyone takes before making a decision about Jesus. Jesus knew that these two men were curious about who he is. So he offered this simple challenge. Come and see. Just show up. For many of you listening in today... You're taking the right first step. You're curious about Jesus. You want to learn more about Christianity. You're looking for something more in life. And acting on that curiosity, you've decided to listen to today's podcast. And that's awesome because you're doing exactly what you need to do. Towards the end of verse 39, John includes an important detail. He wrote, It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying And they remained with him the rest of the day. Why is this verse significant? Well, it lets us know that Jesus spent at least a few hours with Andrew and John that day, likely answering questions that they had about the Messiah. And we know this because he did the exact same thing with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus shortly after his resurrection in Luke chapter 24. And he did it many other times throughout his earthly ministry. You see, Jesus would often open up God's word, explain what the word said about himself, and then allow the Holy Spirit to open the hearts and minds of those who are listening. Jesus prioritized spending time with seekers, challenging them to come and see, to simply show up. Jesus prioritized relationship. This is an important first step when it comes to making disciples. And the great thing is, it's easy for us to duplicate. In his book, Four Chair Discipling, author Dan Spader had this to say about this first challenge. He says, this simple challenge to come and see was built upon the premise that the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is drawing people to himself. And our job is to simply discern who these people are and be ready to provide an answer to them why Jesus is the Savior. Friends, this challenge is not a difficult one. It simply requires that we're willing to be used by God to give our time and to show the love of Jesus to those who are looking for hope. We know that hope is only found in Christ. If you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus, but you're here to learn more, you're listening in because you wanna know more, then you're taking the right first step. You're simply showing up. If you are a Christian and you're eager to learn more about how you can effectively share your faith with others, extending this first challenge to come and see is something that we can all do. You don't have to be a pastor or a bible scholar. You know, part of our vision statement here at OCC is invite people to come. You can just invite someone to show up. You know if you have friends, family members, coworkers who don't have a church home and you know that they're looking for something more in life. Extend this invitation. Come and see. Simply show up. Challenge number two is follow me. This second challenge was given to many people throughout the Gospels, but the first time that we see it is in the New Testament book of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 46. These verses come immediately after the passage that we just read. This is what we read. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Andrew went and found his brother Peter and told him about Jesus. He brought Peter to meet Jesus, and then the very next day, Jesus decided to travel to Galilee where he found Philip. When he found Philip, he extended this challenge. Follow me. Philip dropped what he was doing, went out to look for Nathanael, and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. I included this section of scripture because I wanted you to see the invitation that Philip gave to Nathaniel. In verse 46, he says, come and see for yourself. Now, this is more of a side note, but this is how easy it is to extend that first challenge to another person. Just invite them to come and see, to just show up. Well, the second challenge that Jesus gave, follow me, was first given to Philip and is different than the first challenge. You see, when a person responds to this challenge, they move from being a seeker, someone who's curious about Jesus, to a believer. This challenge implies that a person has made a decision about Jesus. Explaining this challenge, Dan Spader wrote that a seeker has been moved by the Holy Spirit to repent and believe, deciding to trust Jesus for salvation. So follow me. This is a challenge to believe. This is the same challenge that we saw last week when Jesus called Matthew the tax collector. Matthew seemed to have it all. He had wealth security from the Roman government, and a great retirement plan. But he was missing the most important thing. He was missing the only thing that could provide real purpose and real meaning in his life. He was missing Jesus. So when Jesus challenged him with these two words, follow me, Matthew's life was forever changed. He went from death to life, from seeker to believer. That's what happened to Philip in John chapter 1. And the phrase, follow me, literally means to come behind, to follow in my steps, to learn from me, or to join me in the journey. From 2015 to 2018, I was bivocational. I worked part-time as the young adult minister at our church back in Oklahoma City, and I also worked for my dad's construction company as an estimator. Now, before I started working with my dad, I didn't know anything about estimating, but he took the time to show me the ropes. Instead of just throwing me into the fire, He met with me on a daily basis to show me how to read plans, how to do a takeoff, how to put a bid together, how to submit a bid, and how to review a contract if we were awarded a job. In a very real way, I walked behind him. I followed in his steps. I learned from him. When Jesus extended the challenge to follow him, he was saying, learn from me, follow in my steps. This challenge moves a person from curiosity to commitment. It's a call to a deeper level of commitment in your faith. It's learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. Now, many of you have been attending OCC for some time now, or at least listening in to the podcast each week. Your curiosity has led you to come and see. But at some point, a decision must be made if you're going to allow God to move your curiosity to commitment. At some point, a decision must be made if you're going to move from being a spectator to a participant. And that's what this challenge is all about. If you're already a Christian, this is another practical and simple step that you can take as you learn to disciple others. All it requires is that you invite people into your life. Spend time with them. Give them an opportunity to get to know you and to get to know the church that you're a part of. And love them as you love God. You can also bring someone alongside you as you serve answering some of the questions they have and allowing them to have a front row seat to faith and action. That leads us to challenge number three. And this challenge is fish for people. This third challenge is a call to leave behind what's comfortable. And we see this challenge for the first time in Matthew chapter four, as well as Mark chapter one. These two passages tell the exact same story. They parallel one another. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. And this is what we read. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, In a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. These four men, Simon and Andrew, James and John, they'd already responded to the first two challenges come and see and follow me. This wasn't the first time Jesus called them to follow him. Even though this passage is found towards the beginning of Mark's gospel, These events happened at least 18 months into Jesus' ministry. These men had been following Jesus for several months and were now being challenged to take the next step in their faith. This challenge is both relational and intentional. It's relational because Jesus was going to be spending a lot more time with them, developing them into the 12 apostles who would carry forward his great commission. It's intentional because Jesus said, I will show you how to fish for people. After giving them this challenge, Jesus led them on several short-term mission trips so that they could learn what he meant by fish for people. During this time, they witnessed Jesus cast out a demon, heal Peter's mother-in-law, preach about the kingdom of God. They saw Jesus prioritize prayer in his ministry. They saw him stay focused on the mission instead of doing things that would only please people. That wasn't Jesus' mission. He wasn't here to please people. He was here to please the Father. After this first trip, Jesus invited them to go on a second round of short-term mission trips. And this time around, they traveled to all the area synagogues where they were able to witness more of Jesus' ministry. They were given several real-life examples of how they could fish for people. Now, I'm sure they met a lot of people along the way who were really hard to love, people who were really hard to serve. But Jesus showed them how to be obedient to God, regardless of the situation. So these trips were relational. They were intentional, but they were also missional. Remember the message of the Great Commission from last week. The Great Commission summarizes Jesus' life. He was developing these men to do for the rest of their lives what he had done in his. They were being developed into disciples who could make more disciples. He was teaching them how to fish for people. So you can see how this challenge is a call to leave behind what's comfortable. It's a challenge to engage the men and women in your circle of influence with the good news about Jesus. It's recognizing that you're a disciple first. That means if you're a nurse, you're a disciple disguised as a nurse. If you're a teacher, then you're a disciple disguised as a teacher. If you're a stay at home mom, then you're a disciple disguised as a stay at home mom. It's been said that very few Christians respond to this challenge because of the demand and intentionality that it requires. And maybe that's why Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think he was saying that even among believers, the workers are few. A few important questions to ask yourself if you're a Christian. One, have I moved from the second challenge of following Jesus, you know, simply believing in him, to living out my faith by learning how to fish for people? Two, am I learning to feed myself, you know, read and study God's word on my own rather than only attending a service once a week on Sunday or listening to a podcast once a week? And three, am I serving God by using the gifts he's given me? actively engaging in the mission of the church? These are all important questions to ask as we talk about this challenge. Being the church that God has called us to be means that we learn how to fish for people. Responding to this challenge calls us away from what's comfortable. It gives us a missional and disciple-making mindset. And that leads us to challenge number four, go and bear fruit. We see this challenge in John chapter 15, Verses 15 and 16. This is what we read. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Jesus' disciples went from being referred to as seekers in John chapter 1 uh, to followers or disciples in John chapter 2 uh, to servants and co-workers in John 13 and now friends in John chapter 15. You see, his relationship with his disciples changed a lot over the three years that he spent with them. And As he refers to them as friends, he also gives them a new challenge. He says, go and bear fruit. If you look at John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I think this challenge is similar to what we read last week in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You know, go and make disciples of all nations. These disciples were to do for the rest of their lives what Jesus had done in his. He was saying, go and make disciples. Do with others what I've done with you. How they responded to this challenge and how we're to respond to this challenge is found in John chapter 15, verse five. This verse says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it mean to go and bear fruit? I think it refers to several things, but primarily that God has given us good works to do, good works that he planned in advance. And you and I can only accomplish these good works. We can only bear fruit for God when we stay connected to the vine. We learn here that Jesus is the vine. You and I are the branches. Branches cannot produce anything if they're disconnected from the vine. The vine is what produces the fruit, not the branches. So this challenge is simple. It's reminding us to stay connected to Jesus If you and I stay connected to him, God will produce fruit through us. He's gonna help us accomplish the good works that he's planned in advance for us to do. We'll learn how to invite people to come and hear the good news about Jesus, how to equip them to grow in their faith and how to send them to serve using the gifts that God has given them. As Jesus gave each of these challenges, come and see, follow me, fish for people and go and bear fruit he was committed to relational ministry. He was invested in a few who learned how to make more disciples. He made prayer a priority. He loved sinners and he stayed focused on the mission regardless of the circumstance or situation around him. The goal is to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. And over the next four weeks, we're gonna have an opportunity to respond to these challenges, taking the next step in our walk with Christ.